Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you, so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. Before we get going, I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to today's interview. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, and other tools. Simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Now write this down unless you're driving. Referralcoach.com forward slash resources. It's also in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our weekly tips. We're always sharing best practices and we'll Notify of you our newest podcast interviews as they go live. And while these tools are free for you, I think you're going to find them quite valuable. Now, on with today's show, I have a little bit of a ramp up to get to today's guest, so bear with me. Uh, I I think if someone were to promise you that you could become more productive than you are now, would you want that? Probably, right? I mean, how many times have you wished there were more hours in the day? I know I do practically every day. And if someone were to promise you to help you increase your productivity, would you believe that's possible? Well, you probably would. I wager that most people believe that they could be more productive if they had the right system, the right habits in place. Though I suspect you come to this with a healthy dose of skepticism, which I know I would. So what is productivity anyway? I think it's a good idea to define that, you know, and what would an increase look like for you? So in preparation for this show, I went to the absolute premier top of the top authority on the topic, and that would be uh, chat GPT. (laughs) Seriously, the dictionary definitions I found for productivity were lame. So here's what chat GPT told me. For a financial advisor, productivity can be defined as the efficiency and effectiveness with which one utilizes resources, time, energy, money, and skills to achieve specific goals and objectives for themselves and their clients. Okay, I'll buy that. Uh, This artificial intelligent genius went on to say, an increase in productivity for a financial advisor would manifest in several ways. Time management, the ability to handle more clients and tasks within a given time frame. This could mean attending to larger client base, spending more time with current clients, or spending more time on research and analysis leading to better recommendations. I would also add more time for golf, fishing, whatever your hobby is. Uh, Enhanced communication, improved communication skills can lead to better interactions with clients, understanding their needs more effectively, providing tailored advice, streamlined processes, developing efficient workflows and automating certain repetitive tasks that can save time and reduce the risk of errors, et cetera. Knowledge and expertise, continuously updating knowledge about financial markets, tax regulations, investment strategies, economic trends can help in making, you know, better, more well-informed decisions and client satisfaction. Higher productivity often correlates with better client satisfaction. Satisfied clients are more likely to refer others, leading to potential growth in an advisor's client base. Chat, this is all chat GPT, by the way. Chat GPT concluded by saying it is essential to note that increased productivity should not come at the cost of compromising the quality of service or making hasty decisions. Striking the right balance between productivity and quality is crucial for sustainable success as a financial advisor. 
I don't know about you. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that definition and who wouldn't want all of those things, right? So with us today to dig into this further is Brian Margolis, the founder of Productivity Giant, author of the book, The Index Card Business Plan, and creator of the Pillar System. In Brian's LinkedIn profile, he says, I help entrepreneurs and sales pros go from chaos to clarity with a weekly strategy so simple it fits on an index card. Well, I love that. Simplicity, clarity, everybody wants that, right? So Brian Margolis, after this long ramp up, welcome to Top Advisor Podcast. I, I, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. I, uh, I'm i glad you went and did that, not me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like to do a little prep. And, I, and if we're going to talk about a word that people throw around all the time, productivity, let's get, a, get some clarity on that, right? So I, what did you think of uh, what GPT? chat gpt came up uh specific to financial professionals i guess i think of it even more simply <laughs> which is because yeah, it fits on a business card uh, index card index right? card <laughs> right right when i think of productivity um i think of you know the equation input right input mm -hmm. times leverage equals output and okay. leverage is that multiple right so if you put out time and mental energy what is that multiple to get you, you know, an ROI back in terms of results and productivity is anything that increases that leverage. Mm -hmm. I just look at it as the, the multiple in that equation, right? I mean, getting more done just on its own is not productive, right? It's, it's the results you're looking for. So input times leverage equals output results, however you want to think of it. I look at productivity as that multiple. Gotcha. Well, let's, we're going to dig into this and uh, make sure that it gets clear for everybody. So your book is titled The Index Card Business Plan, and it's based on what you've titled The Pillar System, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about these processes. What are the, what are the tools? What motivated you to create them in the first place? What problems do they solve? Opportunities they create? Let's, let's dig into this. Yeah, I mean, the 30-second the version of what prompted me to create it is that, you know, I'm a former research scientist in, in a past life, certainly not what people would think of as an entrepreneur or a business person. And when I struck out on my own over two decades ago, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking I was the problem because I never had formal business or sales training or anything like that. So this was actually a system that I developed for myself um, you know, and again, just this, what I used to refer to as my dumb little index card system mm -hmm. that as I started becoming more successful, getting more results, people started asking me questions and I would kind of embarrassingly share that, well, this is how I do it, right? I don't have any fancy business plan. And I, I realized as an entrepreneur, oh my God, everyone's as big a mess as I am. And so there, there might be an opportunity here. And, and that's when I, I started, I started helping people with the index card business plan, meaning helping people create their weekly strategy. Gotcha. So let's, let's what are some of the elements of, of the, the index card business plan and, and the pillar system? Let's dig into some of the, the what to do's and why to do them. So, so the, the, the way it kind of, the way to think about it is as follows. And, and I think there's a word we should probably define another word, which is strategy, mm -hmm. right? When I when I think of somebody who runs a reactive business, which is most people, right, their current level of success is kind of 
you know, you take their skills, their talent, their work ethic, and you go, go, go. You kind of grind your way to a certain level of success, right? Run faster, more hours, more of everything. And you can be pretty successful, you know, in a reactive business. In an intentional business, which is where I'm trying to get my advisors and my clients to, we kind of add to that instead of saying just your skills, talent, and your work ethic, we say skills, talent, your work ethic, and your strategy. And that's where you go next level. Now, the definition of strategy is, as we're talking about it today, and I think this is important, it's basically the pre when you predetermine, right, where to focus your skills, your talent, and your work ethic to get the biggest ROI. And I don't think most people are, are, are built that way. I think most people are very reactive. And I tend, to, I tend to define strategy with the parable of the fly, right? I think we can all agree that flies are pretty good at flying. I mean, we, <laughs> we literally named them the fly, right? It, it, it's the biggest honor, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're fast, they're nimble, they'll fly all day. You know, no one's doubting their abilities. And so it's kind of like, why does one fly wind up dead on the windowsill and another one zips out the door? And the answer is pretty, pretty simple, which is one points their skills, talent and work ethic in one direction and one points it in the other and you get very different results. And so when it comes to this pillar system, right, this creating your weekly strategy, what we're helping the advisor or the client do is figure out where they should focus each week their skills, their talent, their work ethic to get the biggest ROI, right? To, to get the most results for that time and mental energy that they're going to put out. Um, I, I think most people believe inherently they know where to focus. And I find when you actually break it down, they don't. And so mm -hmm. we run them through this process to figure out what we call their pillars, their weekly pillars, so they can get the biggest ROI by the end of the week. Tell us more about the pillars then. Are they, is that, those are, I, I'm assuming, are the elements that go on the card? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so what it basically, the, the way you want to think about it is the, let's, you know, some people have four pillars, some people have eight pillars, you know, it's, it's a smaller range, maybe between four and, and nine or something like that. And the idea is real simple. These pillars, these are, and I want to be clear, these are activities that you control whether they get done. Okay. So okay. these are not, you know, these are not goals or hopes or anything like that. And the idea is, as long as I, being the person, you know, with this strategy, as long as I execute on these, let's call them seven pillars that I've identified, which again are in my control. I know on Friday night, regardless of that week's results, that I had a great week, right? That I'm one week closer to hitting my goals. We call that the Friday night feeling because let's be honest, you know, in, in the world of financial advising, you can do all the right things one week. And for whatever reason, things just don't happen, right? A new client doesn't land or anything like that. You can also go on vacation for three days, come back on Thursday, spend the whole day playing catch up and checking email, and then open an email Thursday later in the day that says, you know, this client made the decision to move their, you know, move their assets over to you. And then Friday morning, it happens again. Doesn't mean you, you did all the right things that week. These are lag indicators. And so anyway, the pillars themselves are the activities that you identify that kind of serve as your 
So what are some of the pillars that what 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 are the things that the folks you work with or advisors in general might have as their pillars for any given week? Yeah, so we we break them into three categories. The first kind would be what we call an activity or a consistency pillar. All right. Okay. That's something that you already know how to do effectively. You just need to hold yourself accountable to actually doing it. So for example, I'm speaking to the man himself, right? It could be as simple as asking for three referrals a week. Okay. Okay. Now, that does the point there is you'll probably hear from advisors that, you know, when once I've learned how to ask for referrals the correct way and learn the, the system to orchestrate it, when I ask over time, good things happen, right? But then it's like, oh, I used to ask and I used to get them, but I've gotten away with it. I have to get back on track with it, right? So we're looking for those things where you just need to hold yourself accountable. You can already do them effectively, maybe not mastered them. You need to be consistent. I need to ask for this many referrals a week. I need to reach out to X number of my top 100 clients each week. So that that would be kind of the activity and consistency portion. Gotcha. The other kind of pillar is what we call the learning or effectiveness pillars. And only someone who actually created the system can have a favorite pillar. So I will say this is my favorite pillar because to me, this is where most financial advisors that I deal with fall short, which is they get very caught up in the reactive part of their business. They have no problem checking their email or showing up to their meetings or doing all that stuff. They're even decent in some of the consistency stuff. But where they where they kind of lose traction is they don't give themselves the emotional permission to actually spend time during the week getting better, right? Becoming more effective at things. And so with the effectiveness pillars, we're going to, you know, we're going to ask them to figure out, you know, what are those skills that if you improved on would give you the biggest ROI, right? And and it's kind of funny because the most important part of a learning pillar is choosing what to learn, Mm -hmm. right? Learning, learning just to learn is not good enough in business. You know, just, oh, the podcast of the week or the book someone recommended. You got to figure out in your business, which skill, if I add three, four, five points to, will give you the biggest ROI. And so the effectiveness pillars dedicate time each week to working on that skill or, you know, other skills. For example, getting better at referrals, right? I do this, I do this joke, Bill, you'll appreciate this. When I do some live advisor events, I didn't do it. I I just came back from LPL Focus. It was a little too big of a room to do this. And it was about a thousand degrees in there. But usually (laughs) when I do these live live advisor events, what I'll do a lot of times is I'll ask the advisors, you know, how many here at the beginning of this year, one of your top three objectives going into the new year was to get more referrals. And pretty much everyone will go, oh yeah, you know, raise their hand, whatever. And then I say, Now, leave up your hand if you honestly say you dedicated, intentionally dedicated more than five hours so far this year learning how to orchestrate referrals, you know, getting better. And they all kind of giggle and their hands kind of go down. Right. And so, again, with this effectiveness thing, we want to give them that permission that, yes, getting better is actually work. And then the third kind of pillar is what we call a strategic pillar. 
And, and these are things that you can do once during the week so that every time you do something else, that something else is more effective. In, and in the advisor world, an example might be prepping for next week's meetings, right? You know, if you if, if you go down your list of all your meetings for next week, you do whatever homework you have to do, you do that once during the week, then every time you have those meetings, those meetings are more effective. So it sounds like the second one, the learning effect in this, that's kind of the working on your business instead of in your business thing well, that we hear a lot, right? Getting I better at something. I would consider all of this working on your business. Okay. Um, I would, but I, I work maybe working on yourself, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. Working on yourself. I think the delineator, and, and I probably didn't do a good job here, but the, the delineator is this. It's kind of the proactive versus the reactive, right? One of the things about the pillars when you go through the process is these are things that Although they're significant to your income, to your production, there's no immediate consequence for not doing them. Therefore, you have to be proactive. Like, I, I don't have advisors who have pillars of show up to my meetings, right? I don't have advisors who, you know, hey, I, I just, you know, I know the CEO of this company. He's super affluent. You know, here's his number. Call him, right? You know, I don't have to tell people to do that. It's, the the thing is, these are the things where if you do them or don't do them, it kind of doesn't matter short term. Whether you ask for three referrals this week or not, your paycheck's not going to change on Friday, right? Whether you go to the gym or not this week, you're not going to look any different in the mirror. But the compound effect of not doing these things, right, is what gets you. And so these pillars are things that you have to be proactive about. So th these are things that you might resist, you forget about, for whatever reason, you've got to have this constant reminder. Yeah. Uh, so is this, this is on a card, this sits on the desk and the advisor every so often glances at it and gets reminded because eventually you have to create time to do these things within the week. Of course. So how does that, what does that look like? Yeah. So, so step one is, is figuring out the right things to do, your pillars, right? Sure. These are the right mm -hmm. things to do. Mm -hmm. And getting to that point where, you know, you can answer affirmatively on a Friday night after you've hit your pillars, hey, I know if I continue to do these five, six, seven things every week, it's just a matter of time and pressure, right? So you know that you have the right pillars. Well, now the problem is, okay, this is great if I can do them every week, right, by Friday. So the second part of the system is, how do you set up your days and your weeks and what rules do you operate by so you can actually hit these proactive things with all the day-to-day -day of your business, right? Because again, that is this, that's the rub with being proactive is if you don't do them, there's no immediate consequence, right? And so the second part of my book, the second part of the video course, the series goes into how do you develop the habit of pillar execution? right? What rules do you operate by? How do you structure your week? We talk about things called pro time and, and some other things. But again, I, I suggest people do it one step at a time, figure out what the right things are. And then step two is, okay, now let's set up your week, set up your rules so you can actually hit them with all the day-to-day -day of your business happening. How, do, how, does, uh, how does one's team fit into this? Are you, for some of these, you may, uh, 
maybe not need them to accomplish it, but rely on them to remind you or hold you accountable. There's a accountability or support is kind of an underlying theme here, I guess, too. Yeah. Uh, talk about how the how support staff, support team helps you with this. So when it comes to the individual, there, there's kind of two answers to this. When it comes to the individual's accountability, right? You know, Jane Q advisor. And is Jane going to hit her pillars? Pillars are 100% in Jane's control or they're not pillars. Okay. So as long as, as that's up to Jane to hit her pillars. And I have something called your cap, your custom accountability program. And so everyone operates differently without going down the rabbit hole. Everyone responds differently. Some people do well with external accountability. Some people do good with identity change, all different processes. I basically ask you to go through these 21 strategies and pick the two or three that work for you, right? To Sometimes that is external accountability. It just depends on the person. I think the bigger picture with the team, right, is that if you're the advisor, if you're the operator, all right, and you have a support team with you, what I always recommend to teams of advisors is you need to have their reactive duties and their proactive duties. And what I mean is, okay, Bob, these are the things in the reactive realm we know you're responsible for. If this comes in, you need to do this. If someone files this or sends this, you need to do that, right? Those would be the reactive duties that everyone should know what's expected of them, right? When something happens, who handles it? The proactive part which is where it gets a little funny, depending on the relationships, you know, in the in the office is that can either be the boss, so to speak, telling the support staff, hey, by Friday, they might not call them pillars, but by Friday of each week, these two things have to get done, right? You need to have identified at least 10 more people that qualify for this, and you need to have spent whatever, an hour doing that. That can be done either as a, you know, you have to do it, you're my employee, or it's something you can kind of work on together to, to figure out your roles. But yeah, the support staff, it, it's all part of the same system. So I'm thinking that, all right, so some of these, these are things that you need to be reminded of, uh, or they wouldn't be on the card, uh, right. probably. And we know that sometimes we're not doing these things like, let's just say in my system, having the value discussion or asking for introductions. There's a reason why we don't do it on a regular basis because there's something else going on, right? There's sure. a fear, there's a mistaken assumption, there's that psychological aspect. And you you use the term, you got to give yourself emotional permission. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. There's that. So uh, does your system deal with that or how how does one... Uh, you know, how does, how do you overlay the resistance, the internal resistance we might have to doing certain things that feel uncomfortable, for instance? It, you, usually what winds up happening, and I, I can't say this in every case, but when it comes to, for example, for a value discussion or a referral, okay, you might have a pillar that says, you know, to hold yourself accountable to ask for certain referrals or to start X number of value discussions each week, right? That would be the activity pillar. Good. But what happens sometimes when you're doing those, if it's just a matter of, I forget, I get caught up in it, I look back and I wish I had done it, 
that's where the accountability, seeing it on the card, wanting to hit your pillars comes in. If there is a psychological block to that, or it's you have, and, and, and instead of saying you're uncomfortable doing it, I like to kind of change the language a little bit and say, you haven't found a comfortable way to do it, right? You haven't found the words, you haven't found the words to your song that you're okay with. Then to me, depending on how, how significant doing that is and doing it effectively, it might turn into an effectiveness pillar. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. yeah like spending that. 30 minutes, right. Working on your referral song. And again, I'm using my terminology. You probably don't use this, but I call the words <laughs> to the song. And, yep. and I find most people, again, when they say they're uncomfortable, I just say, no, you just haven't found a comfortable way to do it for you. For the way I look at it, it's really a matter of confidence. If if we feel comp, if we don't feel confident, then we feel uncomfortable and there's resistance. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a matter of finding the confidence. But I like the song. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to sing. So <laughs> I, everyone's going to have different pillars, obviously. Yeah. Um, and each week, it sounds like one they could change a little uh, over time. I would think there'd be a flow to that over time. Yep. Yep. So in, in, in a little bit, I'm going to ask you about specific case studies, but yeah, more of at a higher level view right now, what, what are some of the main overarching results? What, what can happen as the result of using this fairly simple system? Yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the funny part is I'll, I'm going to talk, I'll talk about financial results in a second. And I actually, in the book, there are case studies of financial advisors and, and I'll call it my podcast. It's really not a podcast. It's just a series of real-time uh, sessions I've done. I, I have a couple of advisors in there um, as well. But the financial results usually come after the best result, which is the Friday night feeling. It is No matter what group I am talking to, if we have done the pillars in the past, the number one thing we get back is I love the Friday night feeling. I love on Friday night knowing that I did what I had to do, that I'm done for the week. Because look, in a business like this, there's always something else you could be doing, right? There's always more you could be doing. From a financial standpoint, I mean, we've had we've had people, you know, do things like a 3x multiple of AUM raised you know, one, you know, the 12 months after they started the pillars the versus the 12 months before. Look, this is like everything, right? You know, you actually have to do it, right? You, you've got to go through with it. <laughs> here's, here's what I can tell you confidently. And Bill, you know this because you've worked with both, you know, maybe startup advisors or newer or younger advisors, whatever it is, all the way to the, the, the best of the best. For you to... 2x, 3x to, to absolutely go next level in a financial advisor practice, your business will get simpler. Here's why I know that. It has to. It has to get simpler. I don't mean the overall structure, meaning how many employees or anything like that. As the primary person in the business, though, your weekly strategy has to get simpler. Because if right now you're all over the place and this is what you're producing, you can't run twice as fast as you're currently running. You can't spend twice as many hours in the office productively as you currently are. So the only way you're gonna you're gonna grow, it's gonna look simpler in the end. 
it's going to be more high leverage activities coming from that individual person, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to get people to understand. Make, makes total sense. Uh, you told me that the the pillar system is based on a concept uh, you label focus management. Yes. Uh, I sounds like you've kind of touched on that, but it's really just bringing your focus to bear on certain well, things. That, uh, is, what it what it yeah. basically says is it's just kind of putting a word to something that we all know, which is your limited resource during the day is not time. Now, I don't have an issue with time management and I'm not playing semantics or anything like this. But when you're in a business where it is your brain, right? It's what goes on between your ears that is your number one asset, your your skills, your knowledge, your whatever. In any given day, long before the bell goes off, long before the, the bird squawks and, and Fred slides down the dinosaur, you're going to run out of your ability to focus on cognitively demanding activities what most people would just call your mental energy, right? Meaning for most people on the average day at two, three, four in the afternoon, they're not quite as sharp. They're not quite, they're not absolutely crushing it. They're not at their most creative. They're not at their peak mental state. And so what I'm saying is instead of just looking at time, you need to protect your bandwidth, your mental energy. Because that really is your limiting resource. I mean, some people say, oh, I work till, you know, I work 10, 12, 14 hour days. And I believe them because I've done that, right? I've worked those kind of days. But I'm under no illusion that hours 10 through 14 are as impactful, you know what I mean, as hours, you know, one, two, three, four. And so focus management, what I talk about in, in the book is you need to manage when you make a decision about where to spend your time, it's not just the time like, oh, I'm going to spend an hour doing this or three hours doing that. You need to think about the bandwidth you're going to give up, right? Taking a call from a, a customer that you know is a whiner, okay, that is going to, you know, make things, you know, that call, you might be sitting there just listening for an hour and coming back. That's going to drain you, right? That's going to drain you. So that's that's what I mean by focus management. It's just a different way of looking at it. I, I I wonder how many people caught your your reference to the Flintstones and uh, <laughs> uh, the 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 horn going off and and Fred sliding down yeah. the dinosaur's tail at the end of the day. I will tell you, the ones who didn't catch it, they're also the ones who are trying to figure out where to download an index card from right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so the book is the index card business plan. I need to remind people of that. Uh, Brian, in, in about a minute or so, um, I, I do want you to report on a few case studies, mm -hmm. real advisors producing real results using your system. Uh, and I also want to kind of end up with a little bit more on this. You've alluded to a couple of times, Friday night feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we have a sense of what that means. Uh, first, let's take a brief pause to listen to a word from our sponsor, podrocketinfluenceacademy.com, brought to you by Proudmouth. First, they make this podcast possible. Thank you, folks. And their core business is helping financial advisors accelerate their influence through marketing activities like podcasting. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. It's tough to be seen as an expert if you're spending most of your time as a salesperson. That's why we help industry experts like you spend less time selling and more time advising by turning you into a trusted subject matter authority. 
We help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. I need to take about 45 seconds to let you know that our newest and even better than before Academy for Relationship Marketing is now online, waiting and ready to help you uh, take incremental growth to exponential growth by multiplying your best clients. When you go to thecatesacademy.com, you'll see four leading-edge state-of-the-art courses, how to communicate your value more effectively, which is pretty fundamental to everybody's success, especially if you're going to start getting more referrals and introductions and seeing more people. Course two is all about becoming super referable, getting referrals without asking, create that environment where referrals and introductions are easier. Course three is about how to be proactive in a way that really fits. It's appropriately proactive. When I when folks come to me for coaching, they often say, Bill, is there a way to be proactive without looking like the cheesy or creepy referral guy? Those are the two the terms I always hear. And yes, there is. And then course four is all about securing the introduction, the connection to the new prospect, because that's pretty important. There's a bunch of ancillary courses as well. We have one on social event marketing and and a few other things. And I'd love to tell you more about it, but I want to get back to the interview. So uh, just head over to thecatesacademy.com. Make sure, by the way, that you use the coupon code TCA200, thecatesacademy, TCA200, and you'll save $2 off your investment. And while you're there, there's a form. If questions come up, fill out the form, go straight to me. We can hop on the phone for a few minutes, see, does it make sense for you? We want to make sure if, if you invest this in the academy that it is perfect for you. Otherwise, uh, you know, we don't want to be, you be wasting your time or, or dollars. So now back to my conversation with my featured guest, Brian Margolis, author of the Index Card Business Plan. And Brian's website, by the way, is productivitygiant.com. That's productivitygiant.com. Brian, it's time for a few case studies, real people, real results. Where do you want to start? All right. Let's start with, well, there's a couple in the book. So I'll let you, I'll let people look at the case studies that I put in the book and, and see mm-hmm. the results. Sure. Um, I, I will tell you, l- let's start with an established advisor. So, so this gentleman was established by anybody's standards. And, you know, he was kind of in that stage where he had a, a big business, a lot going on, but he, two things were driving him crazy, which was number one, he was still working five long days, right? He was still working five long days a week. And it was driving him crazy that he had, he felt like he had so much juice in his book. And he knew what to do. He felt like there was just money sitting there. There was assets sitting there. But he felt like he never got around to getting them. Hmm. And so what we did, what we did for this gentleman, and, I, and I'll I'll give you his pillars best I can from memory. I'll be I'll be real close, if, if not 100 percent accurate. But what we did for him, which basically put him at a three to four day work week, plus, you know, for the first time in about seven or eight years was getting you know, a high, a high number on, you know, a high revenue, new revenue number for your new AUM. Uh, Let me use the advisor language, right? And what his pillars were, basically, his first pillar was to schedule five top 100 meetings a week for the future. Meaning he didn't have to have five meetings a week because he didn't control that. 
but he had to put on the forward calendar at least five meetings or phone calls with his top 100 clients because he knew, right, that when he's in front of his top clients, good things happen, right? It works so well, I stopped doing it kind of thing, right? So that was a predictable result for him. His second pillar was to update and review his opportunity list twice a week. So twice a week, he would go back to any notes he had since the last time he did it. He would put in place, you know, any new opportunities, both within his book, opportunities can be with existing clients or with new people. And then by reviewing it twice a week and only, you know, and kind of deciding who needs that next poke, nothing fell through the cracks. Because it used to drive him crazy that he'd look at notes and be like, oh, my God, I talked about this with someone three months ago. I, I let the ball slip. So that was kind of his nothing falls through the cracks. His third pillar was he sends three non-sale touches a week. Non-sale touches without going down the road. Advisors have heard stuff like this. They're kind of just non-sales touches with clients that kind of deepen relationships and can help orchestrate referrals if done correctly. So again, one of these things, he's like, I used to do it. I just stopped doing it. His fourth pillar, you'll like this, Bill, was to spend 30 minutes learning how to orchestrate referrals because his his answer to me when I said, where do your best clients come from? He said, referrals. I said, okay, do you get referrals or do you orchestrate them? And he just goes, I, I just kind of get them, right? And when I get them, great. And so he realized that he needs to be more intentional about it. Now, I, I don't know how to, you know, I'm not a teacher of referrals. I'll, I'll leave that to you. But he spent, and it does, again, doesn't sound like a lot of time, but 30 minutes a week just diving into material like books like yours, different experts, podcasts, whatever. So he could become a referral ninja because that was his biggest avenue to growth outside of his uh, follow-up. And then mm -hmm. his his uh, fifth pillar was just to ask for one referral a week. That simple. Just 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 start with one, right? Proactively ask for one. And it's not that he didn't do anything but those five things, but he knew on Friday night, man, I scheduled tie uh, top five 100 meetings. I'm going to average that a week. All my follow-up is done. My NSTs are out. My referrals are on point. It was just a matter of time and pressure. And so that would be like a, a very quick kind of case study where, you know, a very successful advisor started actually bringing in more money, working less time by focusing on those five things every week. Money, less time. I think that's the definition of increased productivity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's the, it's the multiple on your output. Look, a lot of advisors, you know, and I shouldn't really say advisors, this is just human beings, right? Well, right. when they're in business, they kind of think in these terms, which is, will, you know, will this positively or could this possibly impact my business? And if the answer is that it could possibly, it could possibly positively impact their business, they just say yes to it. And the problem with that is you're saying yes to way too much, right? The, the question really is, is this the best use of my time and mental energy, right? What am I going to give up? What could I possibly get in return? And to think about that in terms of ROI and multiples instead of just, hey, if it could be good for my business, I'll do it. Good. Great result. Great example. Yeah. Uh, give us one more. One more. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember what his pillars are. That's the hardest part is remembering what his pillars are. This is the gentleman who 
he uh he I think he tripled his 12 month AUM based on his previous 12 months. And I'd be lying if I said I remembered his pillars. He's one of my favorites because I do remember he only had three pillars. I remember one had to do with with scheduling existing clients. One had to do with one had to, oh, one had to, one was an effectiveness pillar in terms of um, prospecting, getting better at prospecting, and then one I believe was his follow up pillar. And for him, it was as simple as that. It was make sure I do I get better at prospecting, make sure I reach out to X number of people a week, and make sure I'm uh, I'm following up. Nothing's falling through the cracks. But for him. Just that, that again, I could be off by a little bit if that person's listening, they know who they are, right? <laughs> he actually brought in for the next 12 months, he brought in three times the AUM he had brought in for the previous 12 months. So that was wow. pretty exciting by really boiling his business down. Now, prospecting, um, that sounds a little uh, too general, I guess. It is. Uh, so it, it was probably more specific and you're just not recalling it or? Well, so, no, so, so he had a... So there's a prospecting in terms of an activity pillar, right? Which is I'm going to reach out to, you know, X number of cold people a week or something like that. That would be like an activity pillar. For him, it was an effectiveness pillar, meaning he was spending time each week learning how to speak to prospects, learning the words to the song to take someone from, you know, Hey, what do you do? Or hey, why are you calling me? Or why are you here in my business? Right? He, he was learning the uh, messaging from that point to the getting an appointment set up. So he was literally learning the words to the song, the messaging of prospecting. How how to basically his song of why you might want to meet with me. And so he was already talking to a lot of people. He was not a shy person. So the activity was not an issue for this gentleman. That that I remember. The issue was being comfortable and being effective are two different things. And he was very comfortable talking to them, but he never bothered to learn, you know, or learn in a in a deep way. What do you actually say? What kind of questions do you ask to set up the appointment versus try to sell them all in in one shot? Sounds like a little more intentionality uh, uh, and purpose let's let's sort of wrap this up with this yep. friday night feeling um my favorite you know, alluded to it i guess it's the feeling that you got her done right i mean yes. uh that that's one of the goals of your system is the how you feel at the end of the week i guess well yeah because again the problem with results based professionals like myself you a financial advisor is there's always more that you could be doing Right. There, there's, there, it, you know, we don't have a nine to five. We don't have a checkbox normally that says I'm done working. And the average person, they're going to handle the reactive stuff. That's never an issue. Right. They're going to deal with things that have immediate consequences. Like we're kind of wired that way. It's knowing on Friday night that I did what I needed to do. Right. That I had a good week and basing it on that versus your strategy versus a feeling because our feelings can be very misleading. Like I was saying earlier, you can do all the wrong things to clients or prospects that have kind of been circling the drain happen to land in a 24 hour period. And you're like, I had a great week. And then other weeks you did all the right 
things to, to for the compound effect to take over, but stuff just didn't happen. And you start questioning everything, right? You start changing directions when you really don't need to. And so, so that's what this is about. It's about figuring out what the right lead indicators are. What's in your control. Gotcha. Brian Margolis, this has been interesting, uh, productive conversation, <laughs> I think. Uh, thank you for being our featured guest today on Top Advisor Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bill. Yeah, you bet. Uh, it's a good one. To you, the listener of this podcast, I may ask you a small favor. If you like this episode or the podcast in general, please leave a five-star review on the platform you're listening to this show. Not all the platforms have a review place for reviews, but if yours does, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. If you haven't already, head over to thecatesacademy.com to check out our newest online resource to help you create exponential growth. That's thecatesacademy.com. Don't forget to use the coupon code TCA200. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy.